Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you guys wouldn't mind hitting these lights up here, I get. Turn with the old Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing on with our series in Ephesians. And today we're going to start with verse 8. It says this For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Someone say, Amen. God is good. And, and we, as we're looking at Ephesians, I want to, to, to pause here for just a second and remind us, what this book is going to do, what this letter to the Ephesians, what Paul is doing. He's got a method to his madness, if you will. The first three chapters or the first half of the letter, what Paul is going to do is he's going to remind us who we are in Christ. He's going to declare to us our identities in Jesus and through Jesus. Now, this is really important because if we look back at the stuff we've already studied in chapter 1, we found out, guys, listen, we're sons and daughters of the King. And, and, and when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised with Him. And that, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The, that Jesus, the name that's above every other name, He has all authority and all the power, and, and we are seated with Him. And this is, this is like crazy, because some of you guys, oh, I don't know if you're getting this. I know I already preached it, and that day you were amening really loud. But I don't want you to let go of this truth. I don't want you to let go of this truth that, that listen, you're not just some... some mistake that happened to wander into church today you're not just some sort of like you're not only as valuable as your ability to not sin i think that a lot of us that's that's our identity is like uh, i'm only as good as as much as i don't sin that's that's not what chapter one has been declaring to us what has been declaring uh, to us is something far greater than that that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we realize who He is, we get this identity of who we are, and we realize that, like, okay, in and of ourselves, maybe, yeah, we're not so great. But through Him, oh my goodness gracious. Elsewhere in Scripture it says we're more than conquerors. So this is not like a weak thing going on here. It's not, oh man, you, you silly Christians, you mess up all the time, and I can't believe you. It's, this is not a rebuke that Paul is doing in these first three chapters of Ephesians. What he is doing is he's declaring to us 
who we really are and who we really are are powerful people through Jesus Christ. Then he's going to do something else in the last three chapters. He's going to talk about, okay, if that's who I am, let me tell you how you interact with other people now. If you could realize who you are, it's going to change the way you interact with those around you. And he's going to talk about the dynamics of, of relationship within church, within marriage, within, within um, fathers and sons, and all these other dynamics that we see in the body of Christ. And so it's important as we look at this that we start, we start focusing like, right now I'm figuring out who I am, but in the last half of this, I'm going to figure out who you are. And you're allowed to cheat a little bit. So, were you, Anybody here ever a cheater in school? And would get ahead? Some of you are cheaters when I'm preaching a sermon or something. You, I'm reading through a certain passage and you're reading ahead. And I'm like, stop. Stop. We were in growth track the other night and I had to tell them, don't leave the page that I'm on. Because I gave everybody a handout. And what does everyone do with the handout? I'm on page three. Everyone else is on page six. Don't get ahead. But I'm going to tell you this morning, you're allowed to get ahead. Because as, I, as we go through these verses right here about the grace of God and how it impacts who you are, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to look ahead just a little bit and see how it impacts the people around us and our relationships with them. And it's going to be a little outrageous. Let's, let's go back to this verse. It says this, For by grace, say grace. Can I tell you, that's going to be the theme this morning is grace. Say grace. Say grace like you mean it. Grace. For by grace you have been saved. And this is, this is salvation that we've talked about, like, like that moment where you come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. That moment where you say, I surrender my life to you. And what he's saying here is, is you thought, maybe you thought, man, I was pretty good for coming to Jesus. I must have been pretty smart. Because I had enough sense to come to Jesus. And what this is saying right here is, no, 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 no. It really had nothing to do with you at all. It's by grace you are saved. It is by grace you are saved through faith. And we've talked about faith here. I think it's been like about a year ago. We preached a sermon series on faith, by faith, and, and, and that whole um, Hebrews chapter 11 reality of walking by faith and not by sight. It's by grace you are saved through faith. And this is what I love. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. How many like gifts? I, some of you are like, yes, that is my love language, the gift. And that drives the rest of us crazy because then we have to try to come up with the perfect, the gift. And you're like, oh, man. A gift, when someone gives you a gift, if it truly is a gift, it had nothing to do at all with anything you did. It's just a gift. It's just a gift. Undeserved. 
It is the gift of God. And how many are thankful for this gift this morning? It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Not a result of works. See, it tells us in Romans, it says, see, if, listen, if it was a result of works, then it's not a gift anymore. If I say, you know, hey, Malachi, uh, come over to my house and rake the leaves out of my yard, I have a gift for you. Well, that's, that's not a gift. I'll, I'll gift you, you know, 20 bucks. It's not a gift. That's a payment for something he did. Romans tells us the wages of sin or the payment for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Meaning the only thing you've ever done to earn anything is death. Your works can earn you one thing and one thing alone, and that's death. Because in, in and of myself, I'm not so great. That's why if you go back and look at Ephesians 1 and 2, when it's talking about how awesome you are, it always tells us it's in Christ and through Christ, right? It's in Him that I'm something great. It's His righteousness that makes me righteous. It is by grace you are saved through faith and not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Why? So that no one can boast. So that no one can boast. And I want to caution us for a second because we think boasting is someone who's loud and obnoxious and talking about how great they are. Have have you ever met someone who's a silent boaster? They might never talk about it out loud, but inside, and it might be you, I don't know, inside, you never say out loud how proud of you of of some of the stuff you've done is, but gosh, because here's the thing. You might think you're crummy and still live in this boasting reality. Because the reality is, is if you have this thing, this truth right here by the wrong end of the stick, then what happens is, is you think the grace of God for you is only as good as your obedience to him. Like I'm only receive as much grace as I as I can be obedient to. And so you sit around thinking, well, I don't have any grace in my life because I'm not obedient to God. And sometimes it's intentional like, I'm just not going to be obedient. And that's another sermon for another time because just that's a, that's a huge issue. But I'm going to tell you, this is what the Scripture says. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, before we were good at all, He bestowed grace on you. Before Malachi ever showed up to rake one leaf at my house, I paid him the 20 bucks. Some of you guys are like, that's maybe not enough. It is by grace you are saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Um, in Romans 11, verse 6, let's, fl- let, let's flip over to Romans here, and I would like you to underline a few of these as we go through this, because the idea of grace is so outrageous. Outrageous. 
Can I tell you something? It's not fair. Grace isn't fair. Say it's not fair. Look at the person next to you and say it's not fair. In Hebrews, or Romans, sorry, Romans chapter 11. In verse 6, it tells us this, and underline this. It says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. If God only shows me favor, and that's what I guess we should define grace for just a second. Grace is the unmerited favor of God on your life. Where he, he just likes you. He favors you. He gives you stuff you don't even deserve. That's grace. I'm giving you things you don't deserve. I'm showing you favor that you haven't earned. That's grace. And it's outrageous. Because if you did have to earn it, what does Romans tell us right here? It would no longer be grace. Amen? Now, right now we're talking about our identity. But don't forget where we're going. It's okay to shoot and look ahead. What about the way we interact with those around us? Um... Flip to Romans chapter 3, so it's just a few pages back. This is a portion of Scripture many of us are more familiar with. It's part of the Roman road. It's part of when we preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, and let's start in verse 20. We're going to go to verse 24 here. It says this, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So, so let's pause for a second, and let's talk about what we're talking about when we talk about the law. The law was, was all of these lists of rules you had to follow, and the idea was if I could follow all the rules, then God will like me. If I can follow all the rules, God will like me. That's what it's saying. We, but right here it's saying no human being is going to be justified. In fact, what it's saying here is the only reason for the law is so all of us could realize, I can't do it. I'm never going to be good enough. Look, look you can't do it. You're never going to be good enough. I'm talking to you individually today. You can't do it. You will never be good enough. And remember, let's also look ahead of what we're going to be talking about for the last three chapters of this. The people around you can't do it. They will never be good enough. That right there is heavy to realize. If I can't do it and I'll never be good enough, I'll never measure up to God's righteous law, then the people around you are never going to be good enough to you and they're never going to measure up to your standard for them. And you're going to live a frustrated life by holding people 
to standards because I'm telling you, every person in your life will disappoint you at some point. Every single one. Just the same way is at some point you're going to disappoint God. And all it does, it make, like if all we do is think about all the check marks that we have to check off to make God happy, all that does is make us more aware of our own sin. And if all you ever do to the people around you is hold them to certain standards all the time with no grace, all that's going to happen is, is they're just going to become more and more aware of how they don't measure up to your standard. No grace. But, this is like last week, but, right? But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, through the law, I said, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what it's saying here is, yeah, you're all screwed up. You messed up. All have sinned. All fall short. Pastor, I'm having a problem with so-and-so. Yes, you are. You're having a problem with them because they've sinned, they've messed up, they fall short. But, but righteousness, the righteousness that we have, that we are justified by grace as a gift. As a gift. I've done nothing to earn God's grace at all. So what does that mean for those who are around you? I have this in my notes for this next point. How many have ever had this thought like, I've got this. I've totally got this. Have you ever woken up and you're just like, it's a good morning with the Lord? And you're like, oh, I've got this. Like, I'm walking in grace today. Like, I feel the grace of God. Yeah, I know I've screwed up, but I'm feeling the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. And then, and then you're like, oh, I can extend grace to others. I've got this. I've got this. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't got this. I don't got this. Paul had a, a similar feeling. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. It's worth flipping there. This is a, a famous script, uh, section of Scripture because it just reveals like how human Paul actually was. In 2 Corinthians, we're going to go to chapter 12. And Paul was having a struggle in his life. He actually described this struggle as a messenger from Satan. Like he was having problems. He was having a struggle. And we don't know exactly what the struggle was, but this, like, it must have been pretty intense that he described it as a messenger from Satan. Have you ever had such a bad time? You're like, Satan has sent a messenger to my life today. It, this is bad. Like, I had it. And now I don't have it. He sent his messenger. And, and this is what it says in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He's saying, God, I don't want to have to struggle with this anymore. Anybody been there? 
God, please just take this away. Verse 9, but he said to me, what? My grace, underline that word grace, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace, the unearned favor of God is sufficient for you. All you need is his grace. Yeah, but God, I mean, it's really hard today. I just want you to take away the problem. And God says, no, I'm not going to take away the problem. I'm going to give you grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Why? For my power is made perfect in weakness. So I'm feeling weak because I'm going through this hard time, right? Because I'm struggling. And what God is saying is he's saying, no, no, no. You're going to I'm not going to take away. I'm just going to give you grace because I'm trying to show off. And that's what we read about last week, right? God is just trying to show off the richness of his of his grace. That's the way we ended last week. God just like, I'm just throwing grace on you. I want to show off my power in grace through your life. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. Why? So the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That doesn't make any sense at all. It reminds me of what James says in chapter 1 where he says, Count it all joy when you face hardships of many kinds. What? Because you know the trying of your faith produces steadfastness and when steadfastness has its work in you you'll be mature and complete lacking nothing i'm on my way to maturity so i'm walking through a hard time like god take this hard time away from me and god says no i'm not going to take the hard time away from you i'm going to give you grace to walk through it what if it hurts then it's going to hurt while you walk through it Because I think what we want to do is we want to feel powerful and control the situation. Like, I mean, you probably wouldn't do this, but for me, I'd be like, I prayed and God answered because God thinks I'm awesome. And he answered my prayer and now I have no problems in my life ever. Oh, you prayed and God didn't answer your prayer? That's... Sometimes the answer to a prayer is no. Like we say, like, oh yeah, I prayed and the Lord answered my prayer. Yeah, I've prayed and the Lord answered my prayer before and it was no. And I prayed again and again and again. And again. And again. Now sometimes if you pray enough, Scripture does tell us eventually He'll say yes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's still no. I'm preaching really good right now. You guys are like, you're talking about hard times. We were talking about how awesome we were in Christ. Yes, and you're still awesome in Christ through His grace. See, remember, these first three chapters is to remind you who you are. You are people who have received the gift of grace. That's what he's trying to say right here in verse 8. You are a people who have received the gift of grace. And that is not a small thing. That is an empowering thing. Not because you're empowered, you're weak, but it makes Him look strong in you. And so you are strong because you are weak. Because you have the gift of grace. But then, what about this last part of 
Ephesians. Because I think it's strange. I don't know if anybody else caught this. I think it's strange because he talks about it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works. So works don't matter, right? Yeah, he, he said faith without works is dead. So wait a minute, so works do play into this, but right here he says, but your, the grace is not a result of works, but he's going to come down here to the last part of this, and he's going to say this. He says that we are the workmanship created in Christ for good works. Wait, God created you for good works. That God prepared beforehand, which we already talked about. God prepared them when? When did God prepare them? Pop quiz. When was beforehand? Before creation. God prepared something for you to do, works that you should walk in, before the earth was even created, so that you could walk in them. Now, here's the deal. He created things for you to do. He created works for you to do. But these works don't earn His grace. There's something you're supposed to be doing, but it has no bearing on His gift of grace in your life, whether you walk in them or not. Um, so what are these works? And I'm going I'm to say it like this. I'm going to say it like, I receive the grace of God as a gift. You know why? So I can give the grace of God. So you, you're cheating. You're going ahead. Right? Go, go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter is really small, so you're probably going to skip it. I just skipped it twice, so I'm just going to read it off my phone. But 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10, it says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's buried grace. You're a steward of God's grace. Scripture tells us in another place, freely have you received, freely give. Look, this is this is nuts because <clears throat> some of us, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> some of us are waiting for someone else to do something before we'll extend grace to them. We're waiting. I have grace for you, but I need to see. X, Y, and Z before I give it. I'm preaching to myself right now. Right? We've all been there. I know I'm going to be gracious, but not yet. As freely as you've received, freely give. And here's the thing. We, 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 God, He just lavishes His grace on us Unearned. That's, that's what it said in the verses just before this. He just lavishes His grace on us with the riches of His grace. 
And then we're a little stingy when we give it away. And, and can I tell you something? I, I work in a high school where teenage drama and petty stuff happens all the time. And you know what? I sit down and, and I talk to these kids, and I'm so grateful that I get a chance to sit down and talk to these guys so much of the time and just say, you know what? What if, what if you just extended grace and mercy to that person? What if you just forgave them? What if, what if? Instead of making, what if, instead of amping things up and escalating this, what if we just dropped? And, and it's really great when, oh, it's really great when people respond to that. And you see them, and then there's some that don't. Um, well, at least you know the truth. You had an opportunity for the truth to set you free. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm just going to be honest, Hebrews chapter 12 um, has wrecked me this week. Um, one of my discipleship brothers sent this to me. And I was like, you're not allowed to send me stuff like that. Last week, Jamie sent something to me I didn't like. This week it was... Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, Let's go to verse 15. <clears throat> this is exactly what is said in 1 Peter 4, but with more intensity. Right? In 1 Peter 4, it was like, you've got the gift of grace, give it out. Right? This is a little more direct. In verse 15 of chapter 12, it says this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Stop. Don't cheat. Look up here. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This imperative command of Scripture is, wait a minute. He's telling me, I ha you see to it. Have you ever been told to see to something? You see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Let's keep going. Why? That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, many become defiled. This, this is what's crazy here, is, is when I am not willing to extend grace out to those around me, what happens is, is a root of bitterness starts to spring up. Have you ever, and have you ever tried to like kill it? There's this tree. Oh my goodness. There's this tree growing behind my house between the curb and the pavement there, like the, the asphalt. There's a crack and a tree sprouted up and I took care of it. I've taken care of it probably about a dozen times now. And you know what keeps happening to this tree? Almost that a Christian swear word. You know what happened to this tree? It keeps coming back. You know why it keeps coming back? I can't. The roots are under that concrete. I just can't get to them. I'm sure there's someone in the room that is like, well, I know how you can take care of it. Come talk to me after church. Because all I keep doing is chopping the daggum thing down as far as I can, and it just grows back because there's a root down in there. And what this is saying is that there's a, there's a root of bitterness that can spring up and cause trouble because 
you failed to help someone obtain grace. You know what it looks like to me? It looks like you were saying, you know, I received grace, but I ain't giving it to you. And now there's bitterness between you two. And what happens is that grows up. Do you know that splashes out to everyone else around you? Oh my goodness. No, I'm doing a good job hiding it. You think you are. But everyone else around you is saying, oh, there's something going on there. And now things begin to get really intense. Um, And then it goes on to say some really intense stuff. It says that no one is sexually immoral and holy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. This is this is like spinning out of control here. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was in, rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Like a root of bitterness can go so deep that it can get to the point where even if you seek after restoration, you've changed your mind, and you want things to change so bad, and you seek after it desperately, and yet no change can happen. Because you so locked up the grace that you should have freely given. And then, like, this is not one of those sweet little churchy passages, because if you go on and read the rest of chapter 12, it talks about how intense God is. Like, this is not just something to fool around with. If you go read the rest of this this chapter, it talks about how powerful and mighty and overwhelming and consuming God is. And you're going to mess around with Him by withholding some grace? You are people who have received God's intense grace. Flip with me over to Matthew. Oh, flip there one... And I posted this one the other day on my uh, Facebook page because I found I found these drawings that reminded me of Sunday school when I was like eight years old. I should have had you guys pull them up while I read this because it's wonderful. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And what we're talking about here is what is the works that you're supposed to walk in, Right? What are the works you're supposed to walk in? It says this. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will I, will my, excuse me, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. I say seven times is a lot. If, if I have a student in my classroom who I have to forgive seven times, Like, I'm contemplating getting a different job. (laughs) Me and this guy, we don't click. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. 77 times. Jesus is just being sarcastic here. Right? He's not saying pull out a notebook and start calculating and see if you've gotten to 77. No. He's making a joke 
to Peter. And I'm sure Peter, I don't know if he smirked. I have a, I have a feeling that Peter was a little dismayed. Because I think, in my mind, he had something in mind. Maybe John had done something to him six times. And he was waiting for that seventh time. I'm going to get you. Jesus, he goes, I don't forgive you. Jesus said seven. I asked him. Ever kids do that to you? I asked mom. I asked dad. He said seven, and you that was your seventh? You're done. But I think maybe Peter made a face like, oh, no. And so Jesus felt compelled to elaborate. And this is the story he tells. And Jesus has wonderful parables. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Guys, this is, this is millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. An, an unimaginable amount in today's standards, right? And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. There's no way, right? There's no way. He just humbles himself, though. He says, I, I, I'll, I'll try. There's no way. And I, I, I read one thing, and it said that it was the equivalent to 200,000 years worth of wages of an average worker back in those days. There's no way. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of the debt. Whoa. It, it, you know that reminds me of? That reminds me of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Like, I did not deserve that. I owed God everything, and He just forgave me. Like, the stuff I've done, stuff you guys don't even know about, right? Like, my debt is, is deep, and God just gave me grace. And some of you are like, yeah, there's stuff I've done you guys don't know about. And yet God's grace forgave you. Verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And that would be like, that'd be like maybe a half of years of wage or quarter years of wage. It, it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't even compare. Like, the guy could probably pay it off if he worked real hard. It might take him a year or so. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Sound familiar? Have patience with me. I will pay you. Now, this guy actually is in within the realm of being able to do this. The other guy, there was no way. But this guy could actually do it. Just a few months worth of work. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. That's crazy. And obviously what we're going to think about here is ourselves, right? If I'm the one that's been forgiven of things you guys don't even know about, 
Yeah, I won't forgive you. For the little knuckleheaded thing you did. Or maybe it wasn't little. Maybe it was significant. Maybe it was a big deal. But I'm going to make you work it off. I'm going to make you pay. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. The master, then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant. I forgave you all of the debt you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is, this is heavy, heavy stuff right here. Uh, I, I would like to stand here this morning and be like, hey, I've got this mastered, you guys. Un- unfortunately, that's, that's true whether I have it completely mastered or not. We, as a people, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, and it, I'm going I'm to reach, I'm going to reach back because in verse 3 it says that we were by nature children of wrath, right? We were messed up. We were doomed because we had earned, we'd earned prison we'd earn jail we there's no way we could repay the debt but in verse 4 it says this we talked about this last week but i want to bring last week's sermon into this week's sermon it said but god being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show His immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And when I'm when I'm looking at this, I, I see like like I was raised up with Christ. Do you, do you see that? I was raised up with Christ. You know what that means? It means when, when I get close to you, my job is to raise you up with me in grace. I'm guys, I'm not saying that this doesn't mean sometimes. When we have problems with people, there's not hard conversations that we have to have. That's a thing. What I am saying, though, is sometimes 
we we just we just want to lock people up and make sure they feel punished first. There's there's this Jewish proverb of these two brothers and one got married and had a big family. The other one stayed single. Both were farmers. And as both became somewhat, I don't know, successful, they were both working hard. The brother that didn't have any wife or kids began to feel concern for his brother who had all these mouths to feed. So every night, he would take some of his grain, he would sneak over to his brother's house, and he would deposit some grain into his barn. Because he loved him. And he did this for years. Until one night, as he was doing this, he runs into his own brother who's coming in the opposite direction with a load of grain who had for years been sneaking some grain back over into his barn because he was worried about him because he didn't have a family and he was worried that in his own old age he wouldn't have anyone to take care of him. This, this powerful show of love and grace like like, I'm going to give to you even when you don't recognize it. I'm going to give to you even if you don't see it. Even if I get nothing back. I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm not going to wait for you to give me anything. I'm just going to give to you. Because I love you. Why? What does the Scripture tell us? It tells us the only way we know what love is I love, why? Because Christ first loved me. And so I'm looking at Ephesians chapter 2 and I'm seeing Paul trying to remind me who I am. Because we're about to flip a page and talk about unity in the body and walking in love with all these different relationships. But Paul really, really wants us to understand that we are recipients of grace and you didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to earn it. That feels good. Listen, I want to say this to you. When you wake up tomorrow morning, God loves you and His grace is fully extended towards you. And don't you dare open your eyes and feel like oh, I just I keep messing up, I keep missing the mark. No, God, He loves you. He extends grace to you. Can I tell you something? Mm. Look, if you read the Old Testament, when 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 there's all this law and all these rules, we feel like we have to follow all the time. All it does is make us more aware of our sin. That's what we just read. It just it just it's heavy. So you wake up and all you think is all the places I failed to make the mark. 
No, God's grace is rich. And what happens is, is when we truly comprehend God's grace in us, all of a sudden that frees us. And it makes us want to do the things. Because we're free. Now, if that works between you and God, that works between you and any other person in your life. What if they don't respond immediately? It doesn't matter. All you have to do is, is just extend grace and, and start watching change take place. Start watching change take place. Will you stand with me? I am absolutely loving walking through Ephesians because it's just so rich. Um, And I'll say, because sometimes I struggle with my identity of who I am in Christ. I, I struggle. And when I'm when I'm reading now through these first one and a half chapters, it it's it's been wrecking me. Because it's almost like like the Lord keeps just saying, "Man, come up higher with your thoughts. Come up higher with who you are. I love you." And, and some of you need to. Feel that this morning. And um, uh, hey, um, can I get the whole worship team to come up? Or whatever's here. And hey, Eddie, can I steal you down here for a second? Ken, can I steal you? Up here, John and Ruby, can I get you to come on up? M. We we want is Gabe gone? Oh, hey, will you go get Gabe for a second? Sorry. Um. Like, I believe with all of my heart that the Lord wants to do something in some of your lives. And so so let's, let's stop for a second. Because the, here's the temptation. And I get it. Man, I get it. Because now we're winding down to the end of service. And you're thinking about what, what comes next. Right? The lunch, the afternoon plans, the things like that. I, I'm asking for ten more minutes of your time where we truly focus in on what's happening right now. Because because sometimes for us to grow, we have to we have to push in areas that are that make us a little more uncomfortable, you know, like like if if you want to get really strong muscles, which I don't have, you have to lift things that are heavy and that's hard, right? You have to push yourself it's the same way right now in this moment. I want to push you just a minute. I want to push you to really, really examine your heart. Not like a normal end of the service, like 
altar calling time, I, I want you to take a moment and to really, really look at your heart. Are you receiving the grace of God? Do you truly understand that it has nothing to do with you and the things you've done? And, and I'm, like, I don't even think we need to really even deal with then the second part, was then, which it would be, are you extending grace to others? I think if you truly begin to realize the grace of God in your life, what you've truly been forgiven of and released of, then that's going to, it's a domino effect. It'll release stuff. It might not. I guess that's why Jesus told the parable, though. Because in that guy, it didn't. Don't be that guy. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. I want you just to reflect. I want, I want to do something. I want to take a moment. If you need prayer for anything, not just in response to this message, if you need any kind of prayer, these guys up here are here to agree with you in the Word. I, I've asked these guys to sing this song, Freedom. And the first line, I think, is step out of the shadows into the light. Just let the grace of God, just let His riches just overwhelm you. They told me yesterday when they went to King's River with those waterfalls, they were going to let Noah jump in. Just jump in from that freezing cold water. Just strip down and jump in. And then I guess some girls showed up and got scared or something. But, but just to jump in. Some of us, you've been to the pool before, and this is what we do sometimes. You make yourself miserable. You, you put your toe, oh, it's a little cold. And so you wade in slowly, and as the water goes up, you're like, oh, I hate but if you would just jump in, right? And then if you're a parent, you've done it before, just jump in. You're making it worse. And, and that's what some of us, with this grace thing, some of us are like, I might try it out a little bit, maybe. And you're going to make yourself miserable. It's going to be painful. Because to extend undeserved grace hurts a little bit. I'm just saying just jump in. Just jump in and be free. Be released. We're going to sing this. If you need prayer, come and talk to one of these and just let them minister the word of the Lord over you.
thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.